0: behind us Dennis episode 118 what's happening brother
1: it's all good man it's been a couple of weeks but let's get to it we got a we landed a big fish today John after (laughs) it's almost like Moby Dick We searching and searching the waters the ocean and we finally landed him
0: yes uh as we teased on our last episode which was the last episode of 2021 we have been in frequent communication to get Rob Blake on the program and just due to a a bunch of scheduling issues and a comedy of errors, I guess, Dennis, more than anything. Uh, we, we've been missing each other like two ships in the night. So uh, keeping with that that nautical theme that you had going there. But uh, Rob Blake will join us in the second period. We have a slew of questions. Can't wait to talk to him. To tee that up, though, Dennis, uh, let's talk about the first and the third period today. There are some uh, fan questions that were submitted via Twitter, and any of those that we don't get a chance to ask Rob in the second period, you and I can tackle sure. some of those in the third period because people still want answers to their questions. Obviously, we're not the GM, but uh, you know we might have a little bit of uh, insider information or at least an opinion, DB, uh, to answer those questions. But to tee things up in the first period, let's talk um, a little bit about just what we've seen of late so our last episode was heading into the Christmas weekend there were some games that were postponed but there have been some games that have been played Alex Turcotte has played a couple of games just general impressions from you of what you've seen from the LA Kings over the last couple weeks well
1: John uh, unfortunately for some fans nobody's getting fired okay so that's that's I think right off the bat not not today Um, as we speak today they are all of what one point behind the Edmonton Oilers So when this team plays to its identity, and what's its identity? They check. If they check, they're going to be in games. Are they going to win all the games? No. Are they going to be close? Yes. This is a much more competitive and, John, I think more entertaining team than last season. To me, it's where you want to be. Are they a Stanley Cup contender? No. But is there progression? There's no question progression. If you project over an 82-game schedule last year and this year, they're probably 15 to 17 points better from a standing standpoint. So for me... You'd want more. Everybody wants more, but for me, I think the team has certainly bought into Todd's system and to his message. And to me, you got to be satisfied with the results so far.
0: Have you seen though what a consistent enough team? Or maybe a different way of asking it is when you watch this team and you see a guy like Trevor Moore, and it's a great story. He had a you know a career night and whatnot, but yeah. he's not the second line forward that's going to be there. So it's not smoke and mirrors, uh, but. When you watch the team and they have success and while they're banking points, it still is not really the L.A. Kings team. So yeah. I, I say that we don't know if this team can can leap ahead of Edmonton or leap ahead of Anaheim and, and and work their way into a playoff spot. Because I just don't think we've seen the L.A. Kings yet due to due to a variety of injury and covid reasons.
1: Yeah, I think you said it for any team, John, but you're right. You haven't seen the fully formed team. You may not for what's. With- if these protocols don't change, John, it's going to happen you know, day in, day out. It's going to change. But I agree with that. I don't think it's a fully formed team. Plus, you know, what happens at the trade deadline? Do they go get a big score? Do they go get a defenseman who has offensive skill. So to me, again, you have to be – I think you have to be satisfied with the consistency of the performance or the effort. You're not going to get the con- – the, the one thing you don't have is, is the consistency of the results because you win seven in a row. You lose six or seven. But I, I will say over the last couple of weeks, on they're a better home team. If they have any designs on being in the conversation when we get to game 60 or 65 for the postseason, you got to win your games at home. They have another stretch of games here against harder competition. But to me, I think there's consistency of effort. You know what you're going to get, regardless of who the lineup is, John. You're going to get that hard-checking team that plays smart defense. You're going to get solid goaltending from Jonathan Quick. So to me, I think there's certain things you can count on, even though, as you mentioned, you can't count on the same line at every night. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, This three-game stretch here that took place since our last podcast was against Vegas, Vancouver, and uh, the Flyers. Now, the Flyers, just statistically speaking, uh, not a very – Uh, sound defensive team. So you expected that if there was a game that they would sort of have an offensive explosion, it would have been against the Flyers. And they did. And that was a great way to start the new year. And so everybody's kind of riding a high at this particular time. So you have the one win, the big win over the Flyers stepping backward. You have the, the shootout win over Vancouver, a team that was red hot. I think they'd won seven in a row with Gabby behind the bench. And then that real stinker, uh, if you want to call it that coming out of the Christmas break against Vegas, which was a six, three loss, and, of course, many people were thinking back to the beginning of the year where they put on quite, the sh- quite a show to open the season against Vegas, uh, and it was almost the exact opposite you know, on that game on the 28th. So you have one loss, one shootout win, and, and one victory. So it's kind of like a 1-1-1 one, one, one over these last mm-hmm. three games, Dennis. Again, back to my point, I'm just still not sure what this team is right now.
1: Yeah, well, they're not an offensive juggernaut, John. I'll tell
0: you that much. But other than
1: that, I think they stay in games. It, it, to me, it's like they're never the, – the challenge with this team is they're never out of games, but their offense isn't good enough where they can expand on leads. And they don't score very much in the early – their starts are not good. Like they, they, You can never really count on this team to score in the first 10 minutes or the first period, frankly. It's the, probably their weakest offensive effort. So I, th- I think from the offensive standpoint, absolutely you don't know what they are. It, it's just that what I would like to see is that – Quicker starts, more production early on, and then expanding their leads because they're never out of a game, but they never close out a game early. You're always in the third period saying, "Okay, can they close this team out? Can they get extend the lead?" And to me, that's that's a that's that's growing pains. Like you know, a, a better team, a more accomplished team would take a a one nothing lead into the third and make it three nothing. This team struggles to do that because it's as you mentioned, it's it's not a fully formed team. So, John, I could talk about partial identity, but you're right, the full identity of this team don't
0: know yet so again just to to continue to to beat a dead horse here on the the mixed results or you know uh mid mid results 10 7 and 2 at home so they are on the plus side so that's good 6 5 and 3 on the road again neither of those very far ahead where you would say that they're a dominant team they're just you know slightly a bit ahead of what we would call nhl 500 um they're 561 winning percentage and so Right now, because of the, the difference in the number of games played by different teams, you really want to look at winning per, or points percentage, I should say, sure. rather than looking right. at um, just straight points or straight wins and things like that. So if you sort by points percentage, the Kings are 10th in the conference at 561. Edmonton right ahead of them at 576. Winnipeg at 578. And then the ducks at 597 so that's that's quite a bit of ways off now mind you the ducks have played 36 games which is three more than the kings so the kings have three games in hand having played 33 games but again back to those numbers that aren't too far off of center the goal differential is a plus two. So, back to mm-hmm. your point, if this is a team that has had strong goaltending in Jonathan Quick, which they have, if the goal differential is only plus two, it goes to your point about there just not being a lot of offense on this team at this particular time. And to me, that's almost the biggest thing that needs to be addressed in the second half.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I think that, and people want to talk about Martin Furk and your big Martin Furk guy. And, and the when I look at this, this is about the offense from the blue line. They just don't have it. They have seven goals, I think, total this year from the blue line, three at even strength. You can't have three even strength goals at 33 games and think you're a playoff team. I, I think then, and look, Will Lannon's did a nice job coming in, but when you line up the left side as Will lannon Beyondfoot, and Anderson, is it, it, this an no offense there? And and do you address that now? Do you address it at the deadline? How do you address it? I don't think it's about scheme, John. I think that there are certain players who are not going to be that type of offensive player. Are there guys in the system that can? Yes, you've mentioned it numerous times on who could add to the offense. But right now, I think that's the biggest challenge. When you look at the difference between the Ducks and the Kings, I think the goal differential between the two teams are plus 18. Could you imagine a Kings record with 18 more goals? Mm-hmm. And it's if you look at the forwards, they've scored about the same amount of goals. The big difference is the Ducks' blue line has about 25 goals and the Kings have seven. So it, it all comes from the blue line. How do you solve that? You know, can't ask Rob if he's going to trade for Jacob Chickern, So that's tampering. So you can't do that. So I I think that, that, that would be the issue how you solve that in the short term. I'm not sure you can, because I I think what you see is what you get from the players that they have in the
0: lineup on the blue line. Yeah. Defensively speaking there, there's nothing really in the pipeline that's coming for the balance of the season. So the big changes coming defensively, of course, well, Sean Walker's out for the year and you would have hoped to get some offense from him and Edler's out for the year and he was getting some power play time. And, um, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of offense you would hope to get from him. He finally scored that goal, that, the goal that he talked with us about on things of the podcast over the summer. He wanted to get his 100th goal after going scoreless last year, but they're not getting that offense. It's been a – it was a comment coming into the season. It's been a comment throughout the season, and all of a sudden, yeah. Sean Dersey, after just a handful of games, was the leading scorer amongst defensemen. That tells you how woeful uh, their blue line is from an offensive perspective. And the names you mentioned on the left side, those are all kind of second-pairing guys in Mikey Anderson, yeah. Bjornfoot, and Will Lannan at this point second pairing at best. And so back to the point about who's coming, uh, Brant Clark will probably turn pro and be with the LA Kings next season, but you wouldn't expect him to be the offensive leader. It takes time for a young player. Think back to Drew Doughty coming into the league. He's a special player. Brant Clark is not Drew Doughty. So fans, don't expect brant clark to come in next year and and be drew dowdy he probably would play play on the maybe third pair and maybe get some second power play time and try to work his way into the lineup he'll be under 20 years old so that's a very young player and you don't see that very often brock faber is expected to turn pro db at the end of this college season but he probably would start in the american league similar to the path that mikey anderson went and they're jammed up on the right side anyway when you add clark and if you added faber of course what do you do and you know i mean People like Sean Walker, but what would the trade value be after the injury-type uh, you know, type seasons that he's had sure. the last two years? You probably keep Matt Roy over a Sean Walker, but we can get into all of that sort of stuff later. Um, I'll just say one more thing, DB, before we get to the break, and that is uh, my, my love for Martin Furk or whatever you said there just a moment ago only comes from this place, DB. The guy scores goals— and. and to your point from a moment ago, this is a team that needs offense. So it's not mm-hmm. so much about me being in love with Martin Furk as much as it is to say, let's be honest. When you look at the LA Kings and their bottom six, they're not getting a lot of offensive production. Mm-hmm. So I can be a Grunström guy. I can be a Leas Anderson guy. I can be a Kapari guy. I can be a Kaliev guy. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to like in those players, maybe even Trevor Moore when everybody's healthy in the top six. But the bottom line is, if you move a Martin Furk to a third line in LA, mm-hmm. he's probably going to give you more than what you're getting. So it's not really me being a Martin Furk guy. It's just like, man, the guy is putting up points and continues to do it at the American League level. At, some, right. at some point in time, DB, you have to give the guy a chance.
1: All right, let's talk about context. One of your favorite words. Okay. There, there's, one, there's one player in the AHL that have scored more goals than Martin Furk. Okay. Um, his name. And you're gonna know the name is Michael Mersch. So let's just trade for Michael Mersch. Put him on the left side. Put Fork on the right side. To hit the context on. He scores the goals against AHL goalies and mm-hmm. AHL defense. I'm all for giving him a shot, yeah. but manage your expectations. Like oh, I, I, I don't.
0: Yeah, he's not a thirty goal scorer. My expectations are managed. Mm-hmm. How many goals has Grunstrom given you? How many goals has Trevor Moore scored? Oh, How many goals That's that's my expectation. My expectation is can he produce more than what they have in the bottom 6 right now? Okay. Maybe can't we'll find any out. Can't be less. Really can't be less. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's-
1: no, just on that third line. The bottom like the bottom the, the Kaliev look, he's not going to produce more than Lemieux and Kaliev. So right. it's that third it's the third line, which is really the fourth line. So yeah. I'm all for giving a shot, but managing expectations—that like I don't know, you know. Plus, there's always there's, there's 31 other teams in this league that get traded for Martin Furk. and no, there's no takers. So it's not just this like hey,
0: Is the last minute of play? In uh, the Todd doesn't
1: like Martin Furk. All right. Well, you know, he he's been in the AHL. He's putting up those numbers. You could get him for nothing. So why haven't the other? Why hasn't Seattle called? Or why hasn't Montreal called? So to me, that's I'm managing my expectation on that player because. I know the numbers are strong in the AHL, but they're AHL numbers.
0: Okay. If you put him on waivers, he would be claimed, DB. I, I agree. It's a great question. Why is nobody calling and offering something for him? Uh, but if you put him on waivers, he I, would be
1: claimed. I'm him forgiving giving him a shot, John. Absolutely. I'm not, I know people, you know people think I disrespect players and stuff like that. I'm forgiving giving him a shot. I agree with you. I think that, that one line doesn't give you anything, so why not? What's, what do you have to lose here?
0: I think the third line is the fifth line right now, Dennis, but let's talk about that more in the third (laughs) period. Uh, We have general manager Rob Blake waiting on the other side. Let's bring him in. Blakey's coming on right after the break. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, second period. We are joined today by the general manager of the Los Angeles Kings, Rob Blake. Blakey, how are you? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing well. Now, I just want to preface this by telling you, we have a long laundry list of questions to get to today. Um, Some of them were submitted by some fans and whatnot, but uh, just getting this call scheduled has been... Almost as uh, difficult as anything else you've been faced with this year, because we've we've had a bunch of starts and stops over the last couple of months. So I just wanted to say thank you for finally connecting with us and getting you on the program.
2: No problem. I remember we were starting to try this. I think we're a uh, trip in Florida, and that's when <laughs> that's when COVID hit most of our uh, our team. But it, as we speak today, this this is just kind of the world that we live in. So and and listen, by no means is it just our team, but. Our players come in uh, probably around eight thirty, nine o'clock, and directly to testing. Now, now the the rapid test takes about a half hour to get results. So during that time, uh, Chris Kingsley, our head medical, <laughs> whenever I see him walk up the stairs, I know we have issues. And and, and again, today <laughs> he comes up. There's a couple positives, and now they have to rerun these tests to confirm the positives, and then you make your precautions. So. So in the meantime, you have to have – which we have a little bit of a benefit because our American League team's here, and, and they're yeah. testing daily. Then, then there's calls to make sure you have, you know, 12-4, 6-D, and two goalies for Todd to run practice. But it's, uh, it, it, it's been a struggle, like I said, for every team, but it's a, it's a daily. Uh, you know, there'll be a two or three days where everything's clear, and then the next, okay, we've got a couple positives. Uh, we have to adjust, we have to get these kids in isolation, um, and we have to adjust rosters. But that, that that's kind of the world we live in, but ironically, since we've been trying to schedule this call, it's been three
0: weeks of that. Yes, it's not been good, but thank you for thank you for taking us behind the curtain on the COVID thing. So now we don't have to talk about COVID for the rest of the call. We can just yes, we can exactly. be done with that. Um, we know that COVID is one of Todd's favorite topics. Also, there's nothing better than starting a Todd <laughs> McClellan press conference with a good COVID question. That'll get him going. But um, yeah. how about this? How about Obviously, dealing with COVID and the protocols, not only this season but even last season, that that has been one of, if not the biggest challenges of being a general manager, a coach, uh, you know, running a team. But can you just tell us beyond that, besides that, when you look at this season, what are some of the, the bigger challenges that you've faced as a general manager this season?
2: Well, we I think at the beginning of the season, as we unrolled right from training camp into regular season, one of the concerns was just roster-wise. Um, and in and, and situations, when you have a lot of younger players that are approaching their, their end of their entry levels, now waivers become uh, a factor. So you look at that, and I think we look more at the forwards and we're like, okay, we're, we're in a situation where we may have to, if 100% healthy, uh, put a player on waivers that we may not want to lose. You know, we didn't, we don't mind the players going to the American League and getting better and having those options um but unfortunately waivers allows the team to take them uh when we looked at this just a couple days ago we we haven't had that roster at all we never had that issue on forwards we we ended up with that issue on defense twice uh with will and Clegg. clay uh unfortunately got will back and he's been a uh, been a factor here the last few weeks with our team but you know those those are some of the struggles that uh or, or not struggles but the plans um and the, and the questions when, when we look at daily rosters uh, w- without COVID.
0: So before we get to the hard-hitting stuff, I just have to ask you one funny question. We opened this up to uh, some fans on Twitter, and we wanted to know, hey, what kind of questions do you have for General Manager Rob Blake? Most of the questions, or some of the questions, uh, were things that Dennis and I already had on our list for today. But there was one funny one that came in, um, so I'm going to serve it up to you, and that is, if you and 20, if you and Luke got into a fight, who would win? I'm
2: not even close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I say, no, I'm just kidding.
0: Uh, Better not. Okay. okay. We'll move on. Okay.
1: So, Rob, um, a couple contract questions, but you, you're coming up on your anniversary of your fifth year, and the reports are out there that uh, your contract expires in April. Um, can you give us any clarity with respect to your situation as general manager?
2: Yeah, no, not, there's no real clarity. Uh, you know, I think our understanding, Luke and I have a real good relationship, meet daily here. Uh, you know, it goes back to the days when we played as teammates. And we, we've been very upfront that, listen, let, let's let this year go. We'll, we'll figure things out at the end of the year, make sure we're going in the right direction, continue pushing on, on what we want to do and what we want to accomplish. So we'll we'll, we'll we'll tackle that. There's, there's lots of time and uh, – we have we have enough other things going on here daily that we can take care of that later.
1: But do you want to continue, Rob? Is there any? Would there be any yeah. circumstance where you wouldn't want to continue?
2: No, no, no I, I okay. will. Uh, enjoy it. I think we we are. You know, I think we're we're trending we're the right way. Um, not not only players, uh, staff wise, all of it coming uh, kind of the way we want to unroll things, we want to perform better, and we want to continue to push that, that pace there. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, like I said, the relationship's good, the, the people surrounding here and, and everything is, uh, is, a, is a real good situation.
0: Uh, Rob, I do just want to give you a heads up. I've been talking to Luke on the side and letting him know that as part of your new contract, <laughs> it's, you're going to be required to make a monthly appearance on Kings of the Podcast. So just just want to let you know that's coming in the negotiations.
2: Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, if we, we see how this was scheduling this one. We'll, we'll have a good <laughs> time. That I want
0: to yeah. That, uh, that'll be a challenge, but Hey, it's going to be easier next year. We're not going to be dealing with all this stuff. Um, look there. You mentioned the whole thing about players and, and waiver eligibility and things like that. There are three names, obviously that we have to tackle right up front um, of yep. guys that people have questions about. They want to see them in the lineup and you know, uh, we've yep. seen Turcotte whatnot. So give us just sort of a brief update on three guys, Velarde Turcotte, and, uh and and byfield
2: all right we'll start with turcott obviously i uh we, th- there was a, a time earlier in the season we were going to get him up here um and he unfortunately uh suffered an injury in practice which delayed him ab- about a week or a week and a half there uh he got some more games in uh we ran into the COVID issue with Dano, so we fell bringing turcott in at that time um just to. Just to further his development, listen. The three you're talking about, the two of the three with Turcott and Byfield, they they just turned pro a year ago, right? The World Juniors just would have just been finishing, and that that's when they were coming into our organization. So the natural step was to get them games. Um, you know, we got we got the three three games out of uh, Alex here last week. And then unfortunately he tested positive to COVID and uh, will be sidelined here for a little bit, but uh, you know, taking the right steps, uh, uh, I thought he did a good job in those games. Uh, he got a little more comfortable game after game shift length. Uh, but, but you see the work, you see the loose puck battles and, and, and the potential. So, it, you know, the natural step was good for us to, and for him to get that, uh, that taste of the NHL, um, with Quinton, uh, it, it's been a struggle this year. Uh, I thought throughout training camp, he probably near the end of camp earned a spot where he would have started with the NHL team. Unfortunately, he breaks his ankle, and and not just a, 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 a real easy break. It was a, enough to keep out an extended period of time. He came back from that. Um, you know, plan was to get him some games in the American League, and then we ran into some issues up here. Uh, We brought him in, and unfortunately the day he was up here, he tested positive. So then there's another 10 days out. So at the end of the day, he's got six games right now this year Mm -hmm. uh, under his belt. So we we got to get him playing. Um, You know, Like I said, uh, we have the ability to put him in the American League and let him play games. Um, Due to this whole pandemic the last two years, I think it's played to his uh, to his favor, to be in the American League, we just need him to get healthy and playing, um, and, and let that go there. So, and then, uh, and, and Gabe Velarde, uh, same thing. I thought out of Camp uh, was playing really well. I, I don't think he played very well for us. Uh, the, the, the games he started in the NHL, and um, due to with, with his age and the waiver ability and all that, we can put him in the American League and, and let him play and let him play big minutes and and, and put up points and. Be on that point per game pace to score the goals in the American League and get get feeling good about his game. Uh, you know, we've made the shift at times to the wing, um, whether it's right wing, whether it's left wing. Uh, you know, just with the ch- transition of all these different lineups, he's gone back to center at different times. So I, I think he's learning the game still at the American League level, which is going to help him. But but he can go and he can play and he can perform well there.
1: Rob, well, big picture—not not a criticism, but a critique uh, of your tenure—is um, that you've been one of the more conservative, not the most conservative GM, with respect to your asset management, which which means that you haven't pulled, you haven't used your high value assets, picks or prospects to pull that that big trade for that top line player, that top pair defenseman. Fair criticism. Is it something that might change over over the next twelve to fourteen months? Just your thoughts about that uh, critique.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I think I wanna know and, and as a group here, we wanna know exactly what we need to get. We have a lot of picks, a lot of prospects. Um, that has shortened seasons, shortened AHL seasons last sure. year, getting it second AHL season to get a good read. They'll be at the right time and place where there's a certain piece. Right now there's there's multiple pieces that are needed. Now whether we can do that internally or you gotta go externally and look for it or, or players that are that are reaching their potential three, four, five years pro, and you start to see what they really are. So there'll, there'll be times for that. You you have to have that ability to have those pieces to be able to go do that. But, yeah, you get a lot clearer picture as time will go on.
0: Rob, one of those other players down in the American League that uh, has been putting up the points was Martin Firk, who everybody yeah. knows, you know, he... he, he had an injury, and he's never really seemed to get another sniff back in the NHL since then. So what's the what's the plan with Martin Furk other than having him on the taxi squad, and what does he have to do to kind of get a sniff at the NHL level?
2: Yeah, no, he's going to get in the lineup here. Um, you know, uh, well, he'll be in the lineup tomorrow for sure. Uh, he was going to be regardless, and he's going to get a situation where he can use his ability. Now, he's played 20-plus games in the American League. Uh, unfortunately, last year was probably when – the opportunity right out of camp was was right there for him and uh, and he went through two different injuries and uh, really never got on track last year whatsoever so then we come back this year and he's done a, a real good job in the american league at scoring that's what he does he, his shot is uh Obviously, elite. We all know that, and he's been able to contribute on a daily basis in in, in 20 plus games in American League, and uh, and now there's an opening up here with with Brown and Ayafall being sidelined by COVID, and he'll get an opportunity on a, on a real good line with power play time. So, you know, they, these guys got take they got to take advantage of these opportunities. I mean, it was there last year. Unfortunately, he didn't take advantage of it because of injury, and you know, he's going to get another chance. He's played well enough in the minors, and, and we'll
1: have to see what he can do. Rob, now that we've settled your contract situation, can we talk about a couple of other ones um, that are pending? Uh, um, two guys. One is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights in the middle of the uh, career season. The other guy is a guy who's been with you forever. So any update either on Kempe or Dustin Brown? Have you had any conversations? Where do you stand with those two guys that both need contracts at the end of the season?
2: Yeah, no. With restricted guys, we really don't during the mm-hmm. season now. Adrian's doing, uh and, and this is a real good example. We just went over it this morning to to get a good understanding of of when you when you when you when, you, when these players start to breach potential to help you win. And and Adrian's six years in, you know, right. and he came. You know, post-draft day in Sweden, American League for three regular seasons and actually had a real good playoff run that year where they won it. Um, you know, it's still 55 games in the American League the next year, then 25 in the NHL. Then he's 81, 81, 81. You know, you start to see it now. There was inconsistency in his game the first few years. You, you would see 10, 20 real good games. There was a couple games, you know, a 10-game stretch where you wanted more out of him and then he came back. This year he, he's putting all that together. He's been a real productive player um, starting last year on our power play entries, a, a tool that uh, Todd could use. And then the players really understood it. Kopi and Drew and these guys that, hey, this we get him the pluck on these drop passes. He gets his own for us. And, and now I, I think he's taken his game again to a, to a a higher level offensively this year. The the defense, the skating, the size has always been there, and now the offensive production. So, you know, he's tracking just what what we would have hoped for, and uh, there'll be a time where we sit down with him this summer and uh, make him a part of this team going forward. Uh, But, again, with the restricted free agents, you know, I follow similar. He was a UFA at the time last year where we had to have a conversation before the deadline. But with restricted guys, we'll wait on that. And then uh, in, in Dustin Brown's uh, situation, um, you know, I think our history of uh, our relationship just from playing days right on through, we, we have conversations all the time, Dustin and I, and and there'll be different times of the season where we're going to sit down and, and we'll plan what what he wants and what, what the organization wants. What's your role? This is what we're going to ask for you and, and go from there. But we haven't had that, that, that conversation this point, um, really in-depth. We've had different meetings and that. But, uh, you know, he's a big contributor uh, to our team. When he when gets back in here, he's healthy now. We'll get him back from the COVID uh, situation. But just historically over the year, he's been a big, big part of this franchise. And, uh, you know, the communication with players like that helps those decisions.
0: Rob, as we sit here on January 5th, the team is sort of on the cusp of being a playoff team. You wouldn't say that you're in the playoff uh, in a spot, you know, solidly. If we rewound, rewound the clock back to October 1st, and we said, this is where you would be on January 5th. How satisfied with you? Would you be at that point back on October 1st?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know if you're ever going to be satisfied. Uh, I think you would have to take into consideration. Uh, the losses on the back end with Walker and Edler. Yeah. Mm-hmm and then also uh, a couple months without drew dowdy we fortunately this team has not had to play without drew dowdy very much mm-hmm. you know through the whole career and uh, but but again it, it, it's every team now when you're watched they, they go out extended periods of time especially with 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 covid um the two losses in edler and walker are major losses on our back end like the walker was trending where we wanted them to be. Edler had come in and played extremely well for us. Uh, You know, a veteran presence that could settle down some of the younger D. But then, you know, Dursey comes in and makes the statement. now, you know, showing that he can play in the NHL. Well, Landon's added to that. Um, You know, by the sounds of it today, we're probably going to have to use another young player uh, in the game tomorrow just because of the situation we're getting into. But uh, what makes us excited here is these kids are taking advantage of those opportunities.
0: It, would you say that Edler exceeded your expectations?
2: Uh, exceeded? I, I'm not sure he exceeded anything we did on the background. And listen, our, you know, when when you're looking at a UFA like Alex Edler, who's been around a long time, you you, you make calls, you know, to to players that have played with him. You make calls to coaches, the coaches make their calls, and character-wise, professional-wise, there was never an issue there whatsoever. Uh, you know, it always, he'd, he'd been a tremendous pro in Vancouver and everything. Um, I think when he came in here, it, it's what our, our mix on the back end needed. It needed that veteran presence, um, probably throwing into more minutes than I would have expected him to be playing right off the hop because of some of the injury situations, but was very reliable and uh, gained the trust of, of not only Todd, but Trent Yanni. Like, Trent was, was real important with him on penalty kill. And, and even power play because we lost Drew. We lost Sean uh, Walker. You know, uh, Alex had to step up and play power play I minutes. Mean, that might not have been projected there when we signed him. So, yeah, he was a, a very important player for us.
1: Rob, John asked you to look back. I'm going to ask you to look forward a little bit. If you're in the same relative position here in the standings in mid-March, uh, would that uh, would you be interested in being a buyer at the deadline?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think we want to improve our team. And no, I think that uh, that that was one of the clear paths this summer. That uh, you know, you call there's a rebuild, build whatever you want to call. Um, you want to start improving the team. You know, unfortunately, there there were steps that needed to be taken in the past few years that I, I would say took place that didn't improve our team immediately. And and that and those are hard. That's hard on the guys in the dressing room. It's hard on the coaching staff. So I. I fully anticipate move going forward will have impact on the roster to make us better.
0: Rob, there's a perception by some that the team is small and maybe lacks the size, especially that was the staple of, you know, the cup years, the Lombardi years, whatever you want to call it, obviously injecting skill and more skill into the lineup was one of your initiatives, but has the pendulum maybe swung too far? Is the team too small, too quick at times? And, And do you think that size is something that needs to be addressed?
2: No, it's always a concern, and you always want big players that can also have skill and skate and score. But at the time, we, we have to gather players first. You have to get them in there. You The the, the, the roster will mold and shape itself. I've seen teams do it in the offseason where they wanted to address that size, and they're able to go out and do that. You know, there's there's different times um, and different to different ways that you'll shape your roster and 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 these concerns are not just on size but you know could it be speed could it be uh you know scoring ability can it be a, a, a more dynamic type player that fits your roster so do those take place all the time but i i do feel you can you can mold and shape your roster as you go forward on those needs
1: you know rob fans and I guess us at times as well want, want players to come in a lineup that are prospects and produce right away. But I think your one of your best success stories here is a guy like Kaliev who's got yeah. probably projects to about 15 goals this season, but he's playing on the fourth line, 12 minutes and getting those numbers. The projection for next season will be, okay, this is a guy that you could now move up in the lineup, maybe to a top six role. Just talk about Arthur and his development this season.
2: Yeah, exactly. I got Arthur, we need Arthur to be a top six forward eventually here there's there's no doubt about it but what he's been able to do right from day one which I'm not sure we projected this uh, coming out of training camp was was to be able to play minutes and uh, you know like I said there's there's meetings daily with Todd and 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 he'll come up and he's like this this was probably about a month ago and he's like uh, Arthur's getting better every day and I, I'm like what, what, what do you mean by that I said he you know he played 12 minutes last night maybe had one shot he goes no no I watch him in practice. He, 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 he's got to go against the, the bigger, stronger players on a daily basis. He says he's getting better. And you know, Todd had had a, a conversation with with Andre Kopitar, and Kopi's like, you know, he, he's better every day in his situation. So he's gained the trust of the coach. That line's been real uh, beneficial for us. It provides a lot of energy, but provides goal scoring too and playmaking. But he's been able to chip away and continually get minutes. And, and get himself in a situation we tried a couple games on colby blind for for a few shifts depending on um, what we needed there um you know he's getting either a first or secondary power play minutes uh where, where he's gonna that's gonna play to his strength which is shooting and scoring um but he's been able to earn it so it's a real good uh, uh test for young kids or if they wanted to study it, it, it study a, Come in, do your job, whatever role that coach wants. You're going to gain it through trust. Trevor Moore has done this. You know, he came in and he, he struggled to score early in the season, but he but he continually gained the trust of the coach. We, we we have a top six opening. Trevor Moore goes up there and has a real big game. Last game with him. So you know this this, this is how kids will do it. They're not just going to come if thrown into that right situation and produce right away. It's very difficult. Some will. The great ones, Drew Dowdy did it. Kopitar did it. Um, not a lot of guys can do that. So, yeah, Arthur has taken the right step. Uh, he's going to continue to get it, but we need him in a top six role in, in, in a year or two from now for sure.
1: Well, Rob, does it surprise you that the one thing that all he needs to do more is shoot? A guy with that shot, when you talk to Todd, he goes, he needs to shoot more. Is that is that is that because you have, he's deferentially learning the game and he's 20 years old?
2: Yeah, and in the right situation to get more shots too. You know, possibly with for, for, for players like that, first unit power play, you can say second unit, but second unit doesn't get minutes that match the top unit. So where you're going to get your majority of shots is power play, but, but you can't just go right to the first unit and not do anything else. Like It just sure. doesn't happen. So, so let your game evolve. Become trusting. Love. Become trusting, not only coaching stuff, Come trusting to the other players too, because then when you get your chance on that power play, they're going to accept it more. And then they're going to see that that actually shot does go in. But I don't know why some players have that ability. Their shots going in the net compared to other players.
0: Look, Arthur Kaliev, we know who he is, uh, or we know what he was going to be from the day that he was drafted. You take a different player like Kapari, there have been a lot of starts and stops and, and, and questions as well, right? I think the plan coming into the season was to play Kapari more on the wing, but due to injuries and other situations, he's played predominantly at center. Is the thought now that Kapari might be more of a center moving forward or is that just more situational based and, you know, the eventual long-term plan is to maybe still move Kapari out to the wing?
2: Well, I think some of these guys are going to have to play wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw with his skating ability, um, he could play that position. Uh, not not a lot different than maybe Kempe. Uh, Kempe started a center move to the wing. The, the one thing I, I, I should add on Arthur Kelly, of his, and, and it was brought up here the other day, he has a secondary game. He has a backup game. Like, we all know what his primary game is going to be. It's going to be scoring. He's going to be shooting, scoring goals. But but you have to have a backup game because scoring every day is so difficult and so hard to do. So he's been able to portray a backup game here that keeps him in the lineup, keeps him getting minutes, and, 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 and going forward. So we're starting to see that a little bit with Kapari. Uh, you know, his game's. Um, on the defensive end is real strong. You know, is pucked down. He's in good position in that. We need to get more out of him offensively. And and I think that's going to be by by challenging D with his speed, by going a little bit harder areas and not pulling up in different things. But we'll find that, I, again, yeah, these some of these guys are going to have to go shift center to wing. And we saw it with Kapari just the, just the last week when, when Turcock came in. He moved the middle. Kapari went out. Uh, Turcotte goes over COVID uh, Kapari's probably going back in the middle tomorrow so uh, yeah these guys will move around it's interchangeable we'll get them settled into positions eventually but uh, you know they, they're they good players and they can make that adjustment
1: you know Rob fans complain and don't score enough the power play stinks whatever like to me when I look at the offense you, it's it's pretty clear here. You only have three even strength goals this season from the defense. And granted, Drew's been out, but is that an area that maybe not even in short term, but overall, like you need to address with respect to scoring from the blue line?
2: Yeah, for sure. And and I think we can encourage our group to to get involved more. We can work on their shots with Mikey and Toby. And, uh, right. and I thought. Sean Durzi's been able to give us a whole different look offensively we didn't have in the first twenty games. I would say his vision, his deception, um, he can run that the power play in that aspect. Uh, you know, some of that offense Brent Clark will give us eventually. Um, Jordan Spence been doing it as a twenty year old in the American League at twenty plus minutes a night. You know, he's a really good player, and we'll give that to uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Drew Doughty for a whole season continually will give us that, but. Yeah, is that a, a an area that we want to improve on for sure offensively? There, you know, there's yeah, lots of talk about power play and all that. I think your team you need to have a base going forward. You can add that power play element, and the power play will hit and miss as a season. But but you really have to have good sound structure and playing the right way. And I I think our team is capable of that on, um, and and you know they have showed it the, for for the most part this season.
0: To stick with the theme of looking forward, there there's some good stuff coming on defense. You mentioned Brant Clark. There's a good chance he could be in the National Hockey League as early as next year. Brock Faber might turn pro later this season, so he could be available to play pro hockey, probably at the AHL level, I would assume, next season. But what about Granz? Would you say that he's yeah. been a little bit of a surprise or maybe that he's ahead of schedule in what you've seen from him this year in his first venture into North America? Yeah,
2: and he's an interesting... Um uh, take on development wise. So the conversations with bronze over the summer, we, we, we probably thought he was going to stay in Sweden for another year. Um, I'm not sure the year last year went the way he wanted it or, 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 or the minutes and different things. So there's a lot of talk about bringing him over because we had the ability to get him into the American league. And, and with the American league being here, um, our, our main development on the, on the back end development staff wise is Sean O'Donnell and Matt green. And, um, So, so when Gronz came in, we we laid a (laughs) kind of funny how this stuff works. We laid a plan out before the season started. Okay, he's going to play two games here. He's going to have three days off here. He's going to work with development. He's going to play another two games. You know, laying everything, trying to lay everything out for the first three months. Now that development included um, uh, one on one sessions with Green and O'Donnell with no one else around. Right, so. Because he had missed development camps, he had missed rookie camps, he just hadn't been part of that with us. Uh, so, as the season unfolded the first week, we run into injuries up here with Walker Doughty, and we're calling players up. He just got in the lineup and continued to play. The one thing we never got away from was the individual development session and how important that's been. So, uh, he's probably been the most improved defenseman of the American League, uh, maybe because we didn't know what we had. Uh, when he first came over, uh, you know, he went to the uh, the World Juniors, and I, I thought they were posed to, or placed to be a real good team in that tournament. Him and his partner at Edmondson looked real comfortable together, big, you know, moved the puck well. He was running the power play there. So, He's getting, like I said, I mentioned Jordan Spence, but too. They're, they're both getting the 18 to 24 minutes in the American League at a real young age. It's hard to do, and, and uh, he's really progressed in his, his development.
1: Rob, one last one for me. I mentioned at the top you're almost five years into the job. What's the most impo- enjoyable part of the job for you at this point?
2: Uh, for me, it's the relationship with the players. That that doesn't change. That, that's what I think helped drive me to play that many years in the NHL was just the relationships I had with players and, and being in a, in a spot to welcome young kids in or, or being in a spot to help to challenge another veteran to, to be better. like That, to me, is enjoyable. Uh, I have have real strong relationships with a few of these players uh, because my time spent with them. Uh, the other younger ones, it, it takes time to develop that. But I enjoy those, and I enjoy the meetings with Todd daily. And where we just talk about hockey only. Now, that's got fewer and fewer uh, <laughs> due to a lot of these other situations we get ourselves into. But that 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 to me is what's enjoyable. I enjoyed that when I played, and I enjoy it in the role I'm in now.
0: Hi, right, Rob. So, final question: the obvious answer to this uh, next question would be making the playoffs. Uh, but so putting making the playoffs aside what what is probably the most important thing that you want this team to achieve uh as you look over the balance of the season is it is it getting quinton byfield adjusted to the nhl at some point after his american league stint is it finding some more offense from some of those prospects that you mentioned kapari kaliev etc is it you know getting a defenseman to step up is it acquiring a defenseman what what is the the most important thing that you want to see this team accomplish besides making the playoffs
2: I think I think all of that. To be honest with you, <laughs> like oh, but it is it's, it's daily. Like we want improvement in all these areas, and uh, and and to put a, an emphasis on one over the other, I, I, I think number one, Todd has had to been able to to add a structure. I, I thought last year at times, and and listen, their job is to win games, and I'm not sure he had a lineup last year that could win a lot of games. We would get into a real stagnant neutral zone and, 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 you know, try to stop everything that he's really increased that tempo, a much more uh, exciting style to watch. And, you know, that, that transformation is probably, I would say the number one thing, but when you talk about that now, it's, it's adding the right pieces to make that structure and then that style of play effective. So that, that will help your power play. That will help your scoring, but you don't, you don't give up the chances on the back end. You, you you allow your goaltenders within that structure. Uh, I can't say enough about Jonathan Quick's competitiveness and, and how he's been able to battle this year. But a lot of that has with the structure in front of him. He knows now that he can rely on these defense to take away that backdoor. You know, and so all, all those things come into it. You get the structure. You start adding the right pieces. Now you start playing at the level and, and, and the visual level that you want.
0: Blakey, we appreciate you finding the time to come on. Uh, we have 20 really? more surfing-related questions. We'll save those for next time. <laughs> uh, we, we've taken up much of, enough of your time today. Uh, thank you for all the scoops and all the information, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All
2: right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: Well, there you go. Rob Blake. We'll be back after the break, and we'll talk more about that and some other LA Kings-related news. of kings of the podcast with db and the mayor okay third period welcome back dennis uh that is is a lot to unpack there from uh kings gm rob blake What, what are some of your your quick thoughts hot takes
1: i think big picture a lot of transparency more than I thought, to be honest with you, especially with his situation. I mean, we just broke a little news here on the pod that he, he does want to continue, even though his contract expires. So to me, just a, honest and open conversation about the team, where it stands, where the plans are, and, and what he thinks about the, the prospects. So to me, I, I couldn't have asked for more from a, a general manager of an NHL team.
0: Now, you, you alluded to it in the first period, and we did skip over it in the second period. So just want to make sure everybody understands. Uh, Many questions came in on Twitter about Jacob Chikrin and what the Kings would offer and what a package would look like. Uh, DB, that's called tampering. You you can't do that. So um, we didn't ask him specifically about any players and he's not about to reveal, even though he was very transparent, he's not about to tell us what the trade package would look like. Uh, Dennis, I think that you and I have both reported at different times it looks like it's about a four-asset deal, probably including mm-hmm. two first-round picks. It's going to be a hefty package to get yeah. Jacob Chickering if he does become available. And the Kings would not be the only team bidding on him. So it's not just like, uh, hey, Rob, put together this trade package, offer up these players <laughs> and, these, and these picks, and he's and yours. it's done. It's done. Right. It's not a done deal. There probably are 20-plus teams. This is going to be one of the largest bidding wars we've seen in recent years where the Eichel uh, situation was not really a bidding Different. war, Dennis. I mean, that's a top right. 10 center. It was not really a bidding war. There were very few teams that were in on that. It's going to be the opposite. When you're talking about a young defenseman who gives you what Jacob Chickren uh, does, it's going to be more than just a couple teams, Dennis, so there's going to be a bidding war. And,
1: and John, at that cap hit, that, that's the key. Like the, Jack Eichel was $10 million. This guy's half less than half of that. Like That guy at 23 with that cap hit with that contract for three more years, yeah, there's going to be a bidding war, absolutely.
0: Okay, so um, just overall, some of the other stuff that he talked about, he built on what we were talking about in the first period. Martin Furk, he's going to get a look. He's going to get a chance. needs to take advantage of the opportunity. Obviously, we know what that means. He needs to produce offensively. They have other players that don't produce offensively that are having what we'll call, McClellan would call, success in those roles. So uh, there was that. There was also um, some other stuff just in general. I thought that he was very broad when he talked about what success looks like. This, this is not just one or two things that are needed besides making the playoffs this team needs a myriad of things to consider the second half yeah. of the season success yeah i agree
1: which is which is not a bad thing which means there are gaps and then you fill in the gaps it depends on who you fill it with is it internal is it external what do you do do you wait to the offseason so to me yeah there's questions that need to be answered that may not be answered to the fan satisfaction like next week
0: yeah. Now, some of the other uh, questions that came in on Twitter, Dennis, really had to do with the usage of players. And so we 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 did ask some of those questions in terms of like what's going on with Byfield, what's going on with Velarde. You and yeah. I had talked on the last podcast. The tentative plan is to get about a 10 or 15 game stretch of uh, we'll call them conditioning games for Byfield. Um, I did report earlier this week that the plan is still in place for QB to get more games. Um, they want to get him more games in the American League now back to Rob's point, things change on a daily basis because of COVID, sure. but all things being equal, QB is going to see some some time in the AHL in January. Um, you have been on the play the kids train. I've been on the development, mm-hmm. you know, pick your spots train. Are you okay with Quentin Byfield getting some more time in the American League right now?
1: Yeah, John, I think he, up until when he came back from his injury, I think he had played four games in seven months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's got to get time, and he's got to get significant time. You can't just plug him in on the the fourth line and play him 11 minutes. That's not going to help. So I'm all for keeping him down there until you're absolutely ready. He, he Sure he's ready to go. So if it's 10, 12, 14 games, whatever it is, John, no problem with quitting in the HL right now until you're sure he's ready.
0: Now there were some other questions that came in about the jerseys and the uniforms, um, which is great because we love to talk jerseys on mayor's manor and Kings of the podcast. Uh, But that was not a question for Rob Blake, not at this time. Uh, So no, the Kings are not changing their uniforms anytime soon. Um, Enjoy their current alternate Jersey with the silver helmets. They have about, I think 10, 10 more games left this year, Dennis, in those uniforms. I think it was 15 games total. Uh, Maybe it's nine games left somewhere in that neighborhood. And next year we are expecting reverse retro 2.0, which, uh, AEG Sports COO Kelly Cheeseman. I got it right that time, Dennis. Uh, he, he all but confirmed our previous report that uh, Reverse Retro 2.0 will be here for next year. Now, one question that we didn't ask that would have been a fun one to ask, um, who was Blakey's favorite D partner back in his playing days, mm-hmm. regardless of team or league? I think he would have said Matthias Nordstrom. That would have been my guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. So maybe we'll have to save that question. That's a good one, Dennis. Does anybody, anybody come to mind when you think of that?
1: No, not at all. I'll go with you, I'll go with Nordstrom.
0: We'll have to check the rosters also, uh, right. Because, that's the uh, other thing. Yeah. You know, they That's the name that comes to mind. Um, obviously had some early fun, uh, playing in the early days with the Kings when he broke in, um, with, uh, guys like, uh, Daryl Sador and Alec Jitnik. And, uh, yeah. I don't think he was actually here at the same time with Lilia. I'd have to double check that. But, uh, if, if he was, that's a good connection because Lilia was the uh, assistant coach for, uh, Grons team when he was playing with Malmo over in, uh, in Sweden. And I, um, uh, had asked Blake about Gran, so it's good to see Dennis. You need to get out to the Ontario Rain. You need to get out to the American League. Some of these mm-hmm. players that are coming up to the mm-hmm. team, they're going to be breaking in this year. They're going to be breaking in next year. You need to watch them. You need to observe them. When are we? When yeah, are we getting one out of, there?
1: It's one of my New Year's resolutions.
0: Breaking news here on Kings of the Podcast. Yeah. New Year's resolution well, I, is to get let me to finish Ontario. this.
1: Yeah, let me finish the the sentence that I'm going to break. I'm, I'm going to break that New Year's resolution. Okay. Oh, but Dennis. it's a New Year's resolution.
0: Oh, Dennis, you're killing me. You're killing me. It's one game. Half the season's over already. Let's go. Get out there. Okay. All right. We're going to have kings of the podcast night. We'll get a suite. We'll have some fans out there. You know, it'll be a good time. We'll do a live podcast. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going to check that guest list against the Twitters, their Twitter accounts, to make sure. We get, um,
0: so we they get would have good to fans. Be, they would have to be triple confirmed. So I would have to approve yeah. them into the suite. You would have to approve them into yeah. the suite. I don't know who the third like objective person would be, but we would need a triple confirmation yeah. before anybody we gets would. invited to the suite uh, because we certainly... We certainly want everybody to have a good time. I know a few people that would definitely be invited. Uh, There's that Richard Sarabia guy. He's a big Kings of the podcast fan. We have to have him out there. He's he's he would be there for sure. Yeah, we Um, keep receipts
1: though, fans. So don't don't (laughs) don't worry about it. Yes,
0: yes. Dennis does keep receipts. uh, DB, let's just talk about the Olympics very briefly. We'll need to wrap this episode sure. up here. But uh, uh, somebody was tweeting as part of the questions about um, it, is Byfield on the list uh, for the Olympics. Yeah, so that. Uh, yeah, fans, uh, just so you know, if a player has an NHL contract, it doesn't mean whether he's in the NHL or not. If he, has an, if he is on an NHL contract, he is not eligible. That's why Byfield is not eligible. So the mm-hmm. only players in the Kings system that could potentially uh, go to the Olympics would be guys that are on like AHL only deals. so like a Cameron Gaunt right. or a mm-hmm. Sutter. Uh, there only are a few that are on AHL only deals. Most of the guys in Ontario are actually on NHL deals and then they are assigned, even like a Martin Furk. he's assigned. He's an NHL contract assigned to the AHL. So right. that's how that works yes. yeah hey Dennis, a- are you are you looking forward to the Olympics at all or or you're over it now?
1: <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to the Olympics before. So why would I be looking forward to it now? No, I'm not. I, it just, it's just – I think when when it comes out the experience of the athletes that they are going to Beijing and what they're going to have to do and there's food shortages in Beijing and stuff like that, I think that they'll look back on us and say, you know, it's actually a blessing in disguise that we didn't go because it's going to be – it's a difficult go for the athletes over there. That's my perspective.
0: All right, well, thank you to Rob Blake for uh, stepping in and joining us. It was a lot of starts and stops to get us to this point, but we were able to get on the program, like you said, Dennis, very transparent. I wanna end the program today with a challenge. I challenge Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, the NHLPA. I challenge all of them, Dennis. Let's get the World Cup and let's not make this uh, something that happens in three years from now. Let's get the World Cup played in September. Don't tell me that you can't do it. Show me that you can do it. Let's not wait. Let's make it happen this year. Let's get the World Cup on the calendar. Let's get best on best. And let's have some fun, Dennis. That's what I'm challenging them with.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, John. What Cup of needs to ha- happen much sooner than later. Look in my eyes. What do you see? The Cup